How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we interview innovative founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very, very excited to have on the podcast Pavla Goloskokovic, who is the founder of Prune Games and Mind VR. Pavla, how's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm I'm really excited to learn more about what you're working on. I don't know if we've had a, a game developer come on before, and you're, you've built multiple games. So let's just kind of dive right into it. On your latest one, tell us a little bit about Mind VR. Yeah, sure. So uh, Mind VR, it's a VR adventure game for the blind. So it's basically a narrative-driven adventure game that completely relies on audible and haptic feedback rather than on visual uh, to guide the player as a protagonist of a story through an interactive storyline filled with exploration and puzzle solving. Yeah. And uh, although you know lacking a visual component, which is characteristic to basically any medium and especially games, uh, this game is not intended only only for blind and visually impaired people, but the goal is to uh, you know, be approachable to the widest possible range of audience. So in that sense, but but providing um, different kind of experiences for different groups of players, you know, for blind people, the idea is to have like a specifically tailored, you know, uh, product that is rarely available for them. While on the other hand, for everyone else to provide a different kind of experience, maybe more emotional and preferably empathy invoking experience that allows them or allows players to kind of uh, walk a mile in the shoes of visually impaired people while, uh, you know, using like a VR headset as a kind of a high tech blindfold, so to speak. So is ultimately if I was to play Mind VR. Would I navigate the game through what I hear, or can you kind of describe a um, a minute or two what it's like inside of Mind VR? Gameplay, yeah, definitely. So, so the idea is that uh, you know, uh, VR kind of is the new frontier of interactive experience, you know, and people are mostly focused on the visual aspect because it's it's very exciting to be emerged in a, in a totally different place and universe than the one you're really located in if we're not living in a simulation hopefully or not you know uh, but uh, basically the idea of the game the game should have two modes the first one is a blind mode where you have no visual feedback whatsoever but you have audible feedback through headphones and through you know vr technology and headsets we are able to track the you know, position and movement of the player in a 3D space, and in that sense, create a realistic 3D audio, which you would feel like you're really in a in, in a different place. And you know, um, I mentioned like haptic feedback. So basically, you will be able to interact with the environment through haptics, or specifically in in this case through you know VR controllers. And I might talk about why not like gloves and controls later if you're interested in that but yeah basically it would be it would be put in an environment where you 
don't see anything, but you hear the environment and you also interact with other characters that are around you and interact with the environment. And basically, um, you need to navigate through the world in order to, you know, complete certain kind of quest or just to follow a storyline of the game and in a way survive, so to speak, and not uncover anything about the storyline. That's very interesting. I'm, I'm really intrigued to know where did the idea come from and mm -hmm. how did you obtain the skill set to build this? I feel like it's very, to build a VR game for, for the blind, it, it takes quite a skill set. So I'd love to learn a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, I think this, this idea like uh, came from just a bunch of other ideas uh, or, or things that I've read at a certain time, you know, just like bubbling in my head and, and, and producing this one concrete idea. And, you know, like at the time when I came up with this, um, I've read a lot of articles about like games as a tool for empathy, you know, how, how actually uh, like, you know, like, because empathy is very tricky, you know, it, it uh, requires a lot of imagination, you know, about how the other person can feel or, or think or something like that, you know, but when you put people in, in the shoes of, uh, of another person and you make them go through, through that experience, then it has much more bigger impact than if you were to just try to think how somebody else could feel or, or, or think, you know, so that combined with, um, you know, I also at that time, uh, seen a couple of audio games, you know, which are, it's, it's a niche category in the, in the gaming world and not very popular one, but audio games are games that, as the name says, have only audio feedback. And I've looked at a couple of those games and noticed, um, with, in, in my humble opinion, that the quality was very low, you know, and especially in the, in terms of the immersion, because, um, you know, when you have just the st stereo uh, headphones, which don't react to your movement, like our game is going to do through VR headsets, having that tracking, you know, technology, and also through interacting through with a game through a mouse or, or, or keyboard, it really takes you out of the immersion, you know? And it kind of, and, and they were very simple. They were very simple, you know, in, in a sense that it were just like, oh, if you hear it on the left, click left. If you hear it on the right, click right. Which is, I don't think it's very compelling. It's, it's a interesting idea. It's an interesting concept, but it's not a very compelling experience, you know? Um, and I also, um, I also uh, was reading about, uh, and I'll probably pronounce this wrong. So Dieter Rams, it's a industrial designer, you know? a uh, very popular industrial designer. I think he even influenced, you know, Apple's design of their products. And uh, I watched, I actually remember watching um, a documentary about industrial design where he talked about designing scissors for, for gardening. Uh, but his goal was to uh, make those scissors accessible and useful for people with uh, arthritis. Know. so they were kind of a they were kind of a marginalized group that couldn't use regular scissors you know because they don't have a firm grip 
So his design principle was that if he designs those scissors so that the weakest person can use them, then the rest will just figure out how to use them as well. You know, so and and kind of and also, yeah, maybe the most important one is the 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 VR aspect of it, you know. Like uh I understand, you know, VR is a fairly new thing. Uh, although we, you know, it kind of, if you go back and think about like VR is the next, is the next uh, step in the entertainment in the way that we perceive entertainment, you know, and if you think about it, we started from books, which was like a zero pixel or, you know, no screen device where you had to imagine. Uh, and then uh, we got, you know, like, uh, movies, you know, like uh, screenings later, like uh, computer screens, TVs and everything where we were kind of limited with the, uh, with the, you know, the screen size. And now VR allows us to don't have any limitations at all. So we have like a 360. And a lot of people are just focused on the visual aspect because I can understand it's very exciting, you know, to be in a different place, uh, you know, than the one that you're actually in. But in a way, I haven't seen yet a project that really utilizes the potential of 3D audio, you know? And in the way, uh, you know, even, even when you put headphones in your head, you know, and you listen to music, you're basically experiencing virtual reality, you know? But, but because your visual, uh, you know, sense is much more dominant, and you can figure out that it's not reacting to your environment, you say, oh yeah, this is a, like a static music that is coming from my you know, iPad or whatever. So uh, basically combining all these thoughts, at, at one point I figure out that creating a VR game that is specifically focused on audible feedback and, and, and then using narrative as a tool to get you through the game, you know, not, not to make it too simple, but it, it's basically the only tool that can navigate you through that kind of experience. It just basically came along uh, into that one idea about a VR adventure game for the blind people. It takes a lot of unique knowledge to come to that realization, which is what I love about founders is that, <laughs> okay. it, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it's incredible what you're working on. I'd love to dive a little into um, what you did somewhat recently. Um, you know, I know that you went through Pioneer um, and I had Daniel Gross on the podcast maybe mm -hmm. six, six months, you know, four months ago. And I, Pioneer's uh, kind of trying to angle themselves as as a game. So I'd love to hear what were your thoughts on kind of Pioneer as a whole and as a game? And also, what did you learn about games by going through uh, by going through Pioneer as a game designer yourself? Yeah, so the Pioneer experience, uh, and, and you have to take this with a reserve because I was participating in the first tournament. You know, the first one, I was the winner, winner of the first tournament. And that experience is much, much different than it is now, you know. So there has been a lot of changes. Uh, I think the tournament itself is not on a monthly basis anymore. It's a, like, uh, ongoing thing. Uh, and I think they added a lot of functionality. They improved a lot of things, uh, which you do in a, in a startup and with the new, uh, you know, uh, product. Uh, but for me, that experience, it was kind of, um, 
it was kind of, you know, um, how can I say? Uh, so, so basically what, what it helped me is figure out what the project actually is, you know? Like I did, I did um, previously before the Pioneer, I did uh, compile some kind of documentation. I was trying to maybe apply for a grant with this project while I didn't know actually what it is. Uh, and I didn't get it, obviously. So, uh, so I thought, okay, I have bun this bunch of text that I that I've just put on a paper, like from my head. Uh, maybe if I try to rephrase it uh, through this experience and through this tournament, it could help me out. You know, figure out what it actually is. So in that sense, that was pretty good. The the, the gamification part was i guess interacting with other players you know uh, and that was very useful you know it's and and rewarding at the same time when you get a feedback from other people and not just not just like a positive feedback but the constructive feedback like people noticing stuff that you don't notice you know because you're way deep into the into thinking about the project so you don't have an outside perspective so getting that outside perspective was was very useful, you know. And also, you know, there's there's the I don't know. There's probably it's a it's a some sort of an OCD, you know. When you when you know you can score points by completing tasks, uh, and and then you know you're gonna rank differently or better compared to the others. Um, then it's it's an additional you know motivation to actually do something that you might not have done you know and and another thing is having goals you know there was like a weekly goal of having an update ready and you know like uh, writing an update about what you've been doing that particular week so when you don't have a goal you can you know, stall and, and do whatever and maybe get sidetracked. But when you have a certain goal, it helps you focus a little bit better. So those are the things that were really useful for me. Uh, some of the things that I think they improved that were kind of frustrating were that uh, like, a, like a ranking table used to uh, update a lot. And then even in, in some uh, instances, my points would decrease. Because I, I guess it, they were like doing something on a, on a, on a whole, you know, uh, set of people. So they, they were kind of calculating averages. So depending on, on the moment when you logged in and, and looked at the, at the score, it changed. So that was kind of frustrating, you know, not knowing how and, and why you're kind of uh, going up or getting down. Uh, but luckily, I guess uh, I, I did a good job uh, with all the updates and, and worked on the game to actually win, win the, be one of the winners of the first tournament. So, and I think without that validation, I would probably work much less on the projects and maybe even not work at all at this point. You know, it was it was really kind of, and you know, it's it's a it's a kind of a project that. When you tell it to someone, they're going to say, oh, that's so nice. It's for blind people and it's so interesting because it's VR, but it won't go further than that. You know? And when you get validated by, you know, experienced people 
from Silicon Valley, you know, it's kind of, it has much more weight to it. And, and it, it, was a, it was a really good boost for my productivity on the project as well. Yeah, I am very intrigued in the game of gamification elements of Pioneer. I've been playing, I think, since the first game, and it's just uh, it's just fascinating how they're doing it. So thanks for that insight. So uh, I want to go back to the fact that Mind VR is, you know, it's a game, it's VR, it, it's technical, and I'd love to. I definitely would still love to dive into what skill sets you possess to allow you mm -hmm. to to build su such a thing. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I have a background in, in uh, computer science, so I'm, I'm basically a programmer. Uh, uh, before I started for programming, I used to do a little bit of uh, graphic design and animation. Uh, and that was like self-taught, you know, while I, while I was in high school. Uh, but basically, I'm a programmer. Uh, and along the way, I, I figured out that working on games, it's, it's much more involving and interesting than like working on enterprise software, at least for me. Uh, but I didn't have any, you know, skill sets, you know, for as an actual game developer, you know, and, and, and actually, I don't, I don't think there was any courses or any way that I could learn about it. So I basically started my career as a programmer and gradually just picked up a lot of skills related to game development, you know, like game design and, and figuring out the market and stuff like that. So basically uh, for, for this project, you know, I have programming skills and, you know, like people might think programming for VR uh, is much more complicated than let's say developing a web application or something like that. But it's basically um, it's basically the same thing. You have just different environment, you know. And if you're familiar with like three D environments and you know like Unity and Unreal are excellent tools that just give you a lot of tool set just out of the box that you can use. But something that uh, that that's really um, you know demanding on my part is is non non technical you know skills. So like game design, which I've, I've uh, kind of worked on through my projects and working with other people. But most recently, you know, I'm, I'm really into, into narrative design, you know, and, and world building and storytelling. And that's something that I have no experience of almost whatsoever, except from, you know, like uh, reading books that interest me or, or watching video analysis of movies or screenplays on YouTube. And, and, and I think even though I don't have the, those skills right now, uh, I hope to uh, get them through working on this project. So in a way, it's, it's, it's really um, challenging project for me, you know, which makes it much more exciting. You know, I don't think if I would be very um, motivated to work on it, if it will be easy to make. I don't know if, if it makes sense, but but like I have, let's say I have maybe 60% of skills required to make this. And for the rest 40%, I will have to figure it out along the way, you know, but, but through the process of figuring it out, I think I will actually get much more better at it than if I was to study it for some time and then try to make, a, make this a reality.
Yeah, there's this there's this quote, or, or I read this somewhere in a book that it's easier to start something hard than start something easy, because um, if if you start something hard, it, other people are attracted to that. It's easier to get money for big ideas. Like everyone wants to be something that is big, but if it's something simple and easy, it's not as compelling. People may not want to join. People, investors may not want to invest. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, so, that's a good quote. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got. A, I think it was actually potentially from the messy middle by Scott Belsky. Anyways, so Mind VR, it's a great idea. I, I would love to hear a little bit on what your vision for it is as, as you build it out, as you get more distribution, what do you see Mind VR becoming in the next five, ten years? Yeah, well, well, you know, um, I see, I see it as a as a great use case, you know, to to represent what what VR and and interactive experience can actually be, you know. I, I don't expect it to change the world in a drastic way. Uh, but, you know, as for other art forms, you know, like, I think like uh, movie making had a couple of de decades, uh, you know, to, to develop the language of, of the format. So I think uh, starting early on to experiment with different ideas, and I think this is a plausible idea, you know, I think this is not very, uh, you know, uh, it's it, it might seem a bit experimental, but it's very you know it's possible. It's not eccentric, and uh, I think by pushing the limits of of the format just a little bit time at a time or project by project, we can kind of figure out what it's possible and what it's not. You know, and 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 uh, I you know I hope that this project you know reaches people and kind of at least entertains them or allows them to view the world in a different in a different uh, way you know and and even for this project to happen you know i had a lot of dilemma about the the distribution platform or even the devices that it should be working on because you know and i'm really happy that oculus quest came to, to the market because before oculus quest you either had and high-end devices, you know, which were fairly expensive and required a high-end computer to run, you know, VR products on it. So it's not very accessible to a lot of people. And on the other hand, we had like a smartphone-based devices that were really of low quality and, and didn't have enough of what technology has to offer to really um, allow to, to create the experience that I attended to. And, and uh, when I started this, I also had like two maybe conflicting pillars of, of design for this product. And the first one is to try to use uh, the most that VR technology has to offer. And the second one was to make it accessible to as much people as possible. And I think they're kind of conflicting each other, you know, and there has to be a compromise between those so kind of mind VR is a, is a good answer to that compromise. And I, I mentioned like uh, haptic gloves previously, you know, like uh, if, if I made this game with haptic gloves, it would be a much better and much more immersive experience to interact with the environment, the virtual environment around you. 
but not too many people has those kind of gloves and they're again expensive piece of equipment so uh in a way i had to make a lot of compromises along the way so i think the goal with buying vr is to just be a use case and to showcase what uh can be done with the new technology and the new new approach to developing interactive experiences and I, I I don't I don't wish for it. I mean, if it if it becomes a commercial success, that's excellent. But uh, if it returns the money invested in it, I would be happy. You know, as long as it kind of provides a very quality interactive experience that might have at least a slight impact on people's perceptions and people's lives. You know. That's a refreshing kind of viewpoint on not necessarily wanting to build, you know, the billion dollar company, but wanting to build something that's useful to a few amount of people and then seeing what happens from there. And I, and I actually feel like a lot of these giant companies start like that, right? They start just like, I don't, they don't want to go big. They just want to delight a few users and then um, and I go from there. So I think that's great. So one, one of, uh, one question that I'm curious about is you mentioned distribution and getting, mm -hmm. VR, you know, headsets and Quest and Rift and Oculus, you know, into more uh, or Vive and like into more households and, and increased distribution. W what do you think is something in the industry um, that you would like to see that would increase distribution? Like, what does the what does the industry need? I mean, in order to get more headsets out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really not sure. I think that's, that's the question that big players like Oculus, you know, or, or uh, Vive can answer. Because I, I, I mean, I think it's about adoption, you know, it's about people getting used to the idea of, of a VR headset, you know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe the Oculus could be the device to make the change, you know, to, to actually like bridge that gap, or maybe a next generation of similar device could be could be the answer you know if you think about it uh, like maybe i don't know 15 years ago if you thought that everybody's gonna have a touch screen device in their pocket you know connected to the internet you would say ah oh, that's not that has no no way the pc is the only thing to to you know use but i guess i don't know i'm, I'm not sure i guess apple did uh started the revolution with with uh, Apple devices, you know, and iPhones. So I think the adoption is the key. And and the answer to bigger adoption, it's, I, I'm not sure that anybody has the answer to that, you know, I guess it has to do with the market, it has to do, it has, you, you know, and, and especially, um, you know, I think VR devices are another, seen as another form of entertainment, you know, so maybe for somebody it's it's a choice between a playstation and uh vr you know and maybe currently vr is less comfortable you know and less entertaining than a playstation might be so maybe maybe yeah maybe uh having more options and maybe more use cases for for vr if if there was something like Gmail for VR, you know, probably a lot of more people would be interested in, in using it than if it was just uh, a, a means of entertainment. So 
Yeah, so I guess higher rate of adoption and probably with a more available functionality for the users. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think you're right. It's up to the big companies to, to kind of figure it out or a new player. Well, I, I have a couple more questions for you. Um, my, my second and last question is if someone wanted to learn more about MindVR or actually try it out, um, where are they able to access information about the game, about you, um, and, and where are they able to play it? Yeah, well, currently uh, uh, they won't be able to play it, you know, uh, because it's still, still in the in development phase. Uh, but if they want to learn more about it, and if they want to follow, you know, um, the progress of the development, they can either follow me on Twitter, probably, uh, and also pronegames.com is the website of, of the studio, and MindVR has its own page there which is probably going to get updated as the progress goes on, you know, and uh, yeah, I've been thinking about creating a mailing list, but I just <laughs> haven't found the time to, to actually implement it, but maybe, uh, you know, just for starters, you know, uh, we website, Twitter, and uh, I'm not sure if I have it. There's a, there's, I have a profile for it on a, on a, on a platform called, uh, Kelly Edoscope. I'm not sure. <laughs> I probably didn't pronounce it right, but it's a platform for VR creators. So it's also present there as Mind VR and under uh, Prune Games uh, profile. So if if anybody is in the VR space, they probably have a profile there, so they can look look it up there. Or, but otherwise, on the website, Twitter, and I'm open to you know inquiries of any kind about the project. Awesome. If anybody's interested, yeah. Cool. And I'll link I'll link the link that you just mentioned down in the show notes. So if you, you want to check out the games if you're listening, uh, then you can you can check out in the description. My last question for you is, you know, you saw a a kind of a need in the world, you saw your skill set, you connected the dots and you're like, I wanna build I wanna build this because this needs to exist. And there are a lot of people listening who don't necessarily know the best first steps to get started on their on a company or a product or a project so i'd love to hear your advice to people that want to start something but don't necessarily know the first steps on how to do that yeah um okay i'm, I'm not sure if i'm the right person to give advice on this subject but i'm gonna try to do my best you know you got so, it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i guess i guess um I guess you have to, I think the first uh, step that will make anything you do more successful is to try to very precisely figure out what it is that you want to do, you know, like really try to boil it down to like one sentence description, or you know what, like one paragraph description and to really through that process, uh, try to figure out how you can communicate your idea the best first first of all for yourself just to be to be sure you know it took me a lot of time to to like uh, figure out what this game actually is and to be very relaxed to talk about it you know because I know what it is now but I, I notice a lot of people starting out things they don't really know what they're making you know they 
they they know maybe what they want to make or or what they maybe want to become at some point you know maybe maybe they're more focused on uh, being successful than making a, a product of quality but if you want to make something uh, of quality i guess you have to sit down and write down your thoughts and then just you know remove what is unnecessary and focus on what's important and try to share that idea with other people you know and see the reactions you know because you never know you know never know um, if somebody else somebody else sees your idea in a different way that can help you or maybe nobody likes it except you so it might not be a good idea or it might be a great idea but but you're way ahead of your time but i think the the greatest value like as a, as a really early starting point is to actually nail down very precisely what you want to create and to to have to have it practiced as a story in your head you know and when somebody asks you okay so what you're doing like what like what's your project what are you doing on that you can like as like a quick as a bullet just tell it about and be very certain in in what your what the project is and what you're doing because if you have mess in your head you know it, it, your product is, will probably be a mess at the end so i know i guess that does you can start from there <laughs> i think that's a great answer that that is fantastic i think the everyone listening will think that's very valuable i um, mean this whole conversation you know has been very valuable to me so uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about what you're working on and sharing some of your, your knowledge with us. Yeah, uh, I'm glad I could be helpful to anyone, especially to your podcast. That's a good one. Yeah, you got it. I so, appreciate it. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day and continued uh, progress on uh, building that mind VR. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot.